Well, we're in a series uh, that we're going to all year long on Wednesday nights. We're calling it Believe. And if you're a believer, it's, it's better to be a believer than an unbeliever. Now and later, for sure. Uh, as a believer, though, it's important that we know what we believe, why we believe it, and be able to articulate it. We're to love the Lord our God and serve the Lord our God with our heart and our soul and our strength, but also with our minds. And, and believers, because we've thrown a lever, so to speak, on the inside that we're going be, to believe, then believers a lot of time become the most gullible people on the planet. They would never be here on a Wednesday night. But, but um, it's just amazing what believers will sometimes believe. So what we're doing is something called systematic theology. And we're going to be smarter every week as a result of it. None of this is out of reach. God did all of this for us. In systematic theology, we're going to go through the Bible. And it's different than, than um, like biblical theology, although it's all biblical um, biblical theology is going to kind of go chronologically through it all. Where systematic theology, we're going to take like a subject and we're going to see what the Bible as a whole says about those, about those subjects. And these are real important things and they kind of stack one on, one on another. I don't have time to go back and, and review all of them because now we're almost in the month of May. You know, so we're, we're cruising. And, uh, but tonight I want to talk to you. Well, I'll get to that in just a moment. I'll tell you what doctrine we're going to look at here tonight. And this, there'll be a lot of takeaway for this, for this tonight. Um, in the book of Acts, I want to go back to this idea real quick, though. Do you remember that Philip was, was ministering in some, and uh, where was he married? Where was he at? Uh, it, just, it just slipped away. He, he was, where was it? He was at a cool place, and he was, <laughs> Samaria. He was in Samaria. Okay, he was in Samaria, incredible results, and the Lord spoke to him, and the Lord said, I want you to go out on this desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a very powerful man, going along in a chariot, kind of slow, and he's reading scripture out loud. And Philip suddenly realizes, okay, this is why I'm here. And so he ran, and in the Greek, he fastened himself to the chariot, which means he just kept up with it. And then he asked the guy, he said, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I, unless somebody helps me with this? And then in Acts chapter eight, verse 50, uh, 35, it says, then Philip opened his mouth. Now think about it in, in context of this series, Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, the scripture, the, the eunuch was reading, preached Jesus to him. Yes. And I was reading this earlier in the week and it just, it just kind of grabbed me. Philip knew his stuff. Philip knew what he believed. Can, can you imagine, and I get this sometimes, oh, pastor, I wish you'd been with me the other day at work because a uh, person had a question I didn't know what to tell him. Or I had a person ready to receive Jesus, but I didn't know how to lead him in a prayer. And see, part of, part of the whole goal is not for me to be with you. You know, it's for us to be ready. Yes. You know, I'm not your guy. You're the guy. Okay, and ladies, you're the guy. Um, uh, we've got to know what we believe, why we believe it, be able to articulate it. And, and can you imagine if the Lord sent Philip out there and, uh, and the guy said, I don't know, could you help me with this? He goes, I really can't. 
but if you give me your number, I'll call you. And can I get your email? You know, and I'll send, you know, I'll send you answers. But he knew his stuff. He was ready and able. And we need to be ready. The Lord's really been impressing on my heart that, to prepare people that are ready. Prepare people that are ready. And so believe this whole series, this is going, this is going to help us tremendously. Tonight I want to talk about the um, doctrine of providence. And in particular, we're going to call it divine providence. Um, problematic for our thinking sometimes is that we've got a good God, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God. And yet, in this world, we've got tragedy, and we've got evil, and we've got things that we don't understand. And so, why? How does that work out if he's, if he's all-knowing? Did he not know? If he's all-loving, did he not care? If he's all-powerful, couldn't he do something about this? And so that gets into our thinking. Also under the banner of providence is, well, do our actions matter? Do our choices matter? And I'm going to go ahead and tell you so you're not hanging on on that one. Yes, they do. The Bible is full of whosoever will. And, and, uh, you know, the one who does, hear and does, is blessed. So absolutely you know, our choices, our actions, they do matter. Um, I want to say this too. We will continue this side of heaven to have questions. Okay. I'm my job. No, I don't have the ability either to do this, but my job is not to answer all questions is to drive us to what we believe. And if he has the last word, my hope is endless. Okay. You with me? So we want to see what, what providence really is here. And I want to say this, that even though we would have questions, I believe there's no such thing as trusting God without having some unanswered questions. If I trust God, I, I mean, I see things all the time. You do too in my own life and things in the world and, you know, people are ministering to and you see things and you go, I, you know, I don't understand why or how or whatever, but you keep your trust in God. So if you, you can still have questions and trust God. Amen. And hopefully tonight we'll give you a little perspective on that as well. Uh, I just love that again. He has the last word. So my hope is endless. Um, well, I want to talk a little bit tonight about sovereignty. We'll get into that a little bit later. Is God all powerful? Can he do whatever he wants to do? There's some differing views on that. I'm just kind of running over some things and we're going to get real specific in a moment. Uh, there's a view called Calvinism and there's a view called Armenianism. And in case you know what those mean, we are definitely more Armenianism. Calvinism pretty much is everything's already decided, set, everything else. There's not, uh, you know, whoever's going to get saved, God has already tapped them. The rest of y'all are just kind of treading water and, and it just doesn't stack right in, in scripture for me. And there's people I love. I have close friends that are, quote, Calvinists. Um, and I'm not going to fight with them over it. I just, I've told some of them, I said, we will see in the end. And I said, now the way I believe, I received Jesus. I made that choice. And I said, now you did or not. And, you know, I don't know if you're in or not, bro. So I'll see you later. Yeah, we'll see. But, um, and really, you know, you don't want, we don't want to fight about these things. But, Sovereignty, here is my take on sovereignty based on scripture. God is sovereign. God can do whatever he wants to do, but 
he has limited himself to his sovereign word. He has told us here, here's what I'll do. Here's what I won't do. God can do anything. He has the power, the freedom to do whatever he wants, but he has limited himself to his word. And he has told us, this is what I'll do. This is what I won't do. This is the character you can expect. These are my intentions and so forth. And uh, that helps us to, to understand and not have to do away with some verses. Okay, because you're in danger when you start to do that. You with me so far? Here's some uh, wrong ideas about providence. Um, You can get into a brand of thinking called deism. Deism. Uh, Deism means that God created the world, but then he abandoned it. Okay? So he just created it, wound it up, got it spinning, and said, see ya. And and we have no interaction with him. Okay? Uh, That's not scriptural. You have something called pantheism, which means God is in everything and God is everything. So a plant, a rock, a turtle, um, you know, wind, everything, that's God. God is everything. God is in everything. And that's beyond scripture. Now, we can see God's handiwork. We can see his fingerprints on what he created. Creation always reveals something about the creator. But creation is not God. Okay, your puppy is not God. Okay, a, a rose is not God. Uh, God made those things. A baby is not God. But you can see God in all of those things because he's, he's the creator. A, another wrong view of, of providence is something called chance. Chance. We just view, well, providence is just chance, luck, randomness. You know, there are gamblers. You know, it's a gambler mindset. You know, that it's like, well, we'll see. Um, you know, if, it, if it's to be, it's to be. Okay? And that's a wrong idea of providence. Uh, and then related to it is fate or determinism. And what that becomes, though, it goes negative and then it becomes fatalism. And a lot of people live with that mindset, too. You know people like this. And it's just human resignation. It's just like, hey, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And in that, then I created these others. Then it ends up in, from fatalism, it goes into do-nothingism. And uh, it doesn't matterism, you know. And so if you have that mindset though, fatalism, then it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if I obey, if I don't obey. It doesn't matter if I um, break the law, don't break the law, serve God, don't break the law. Because, you know, it's providence. What it, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You know, whatever will be, will be. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. And that's just not Bible, Okay. God is in control. Everybody say, God is in control. And you say, well, if God is in control, why, how, this, listen, it's impossible to trust God fully without having some unanswered questions. And we're just not going to know on this side of, of everything, all these answers. God is active. God is the creator, but he's also active. He's present and he's involved. Let's get a couple of verses here. Colossians 1.17 says, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And then in Hebrews 1.3, it says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, which he had by himself, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So in those verses, we see that everything is held together. Everything is sustained by him, by his word and by what he has he has set up and God still is active and God is still involved. 
Scripture, and let's talk about this just for a moment. Okay, we've got this loving, good, all-powerful, all-knowing God, but then we've got evil and tragedy in the world. So we've got to separate that out a little bit. Okay, you say God is in control, but um, Scripture never, everybody say never, never blames God for evil. And it troubles me, it bothers me when I hear people blame, blame bad things on God. I don't even like that insurance words things, acts of God. You know, an acts of God is not that you had a baby or this or that. Is something got broke or, or messed up. You know, acts of God. I, I just don't like that terminology there. Scripture never blames God for evil. Nor does Scripture ever show God taking pleasure in evil. It says even it hurts his heart that people perish. You know, and he's, he's working counter to that. Let's look at a couple of scriptures here. James 1.13. And I'm saying this because we're trying to understand providence. We're going to get to the real heart of it here in just a moment. James 1.13 says, let no one say when he is tempted. Everybody say tempted. Okay, that word in the Greek there means tempted, tested, or tried. So it can be temptation or solicitation to do evil or wrong. But also it's to be tested it's to be tried. It has to do with trials, has to do with pressure, has to do with problems, has, has to do with, you know, being tempted. Let no man, no, no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. So what does it say? Don't say that. For or because God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Okay? So go back to the meaning of the word. Not just does he tempt anyone, but test or tries. Okay? Now, let's, let's go a little bit further. John, uh, 1 John 1, 5. Y'all with me? 1 John 1, 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is, help me, light, and in him is no darkness at all. And that's very figurative language. There. There's no darkness in God. He's light. Psalm 92, verse 15. To declare that the Lord is upright. There's a little delay there. Yeah. Uh, To declare that the Lord is what? Upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So everybody say God is good. Okay. So do not ascribe evil to God. Now there is some confusion that happens to us. Uh, I don't want to get all into this and I can't fully get into all of this. Um, Old Testament is written in Hebrew for the most part. New Testament is written in Greek. The languages are super rich, actually more rich than our language. Uh, There are tremendous study aids that help us with this. The Greek is is actually easier for us to interpret and translate and break break down. In the Hebrew, one of the problems we have, and this is a lot of things that people fall back to, the verbs, action words, action words, verbs in the Old Testament, tend to not be as clear and they show up as causative most of the time uh, rather than permissive. Okay? So there are times where it will say that God struck, for example. God struck. And it may not be that God struck. It may be that God allowed them to be struck. So it may not have been causative. It may have been permissive. Are you hearing what we're saying? And so sometimes that can create a little confusion, but we see God do this. Now, how many of you know God did 
God did strike some people. God did cause some things. God did cause the earth to open up and swallow some folks and things like that. But, but here's the thing. God does not cause evil. God can allow evil. God does allow evil. God can use evil. Now, this is a little hard for our mind to think, but if you'll go back and look at the whole picture, and, and this, is, this is why I need you to just stay with me and we'll show you the big thing. He gets the final word, so our hope is endless. So something evil, something bad, something undesirable may happen, but don't say that's the end of the story. With the children of Israel, God actually allowed some things, even orchestrated some things so that they went into captivity. He actually healed a man named Naaman. Who was Naaman? He had leprosy. Who was he? He was a commander over the captivity. You know, uh, and there's and there's so many times that God set up some things. Why did he do that? Why did he allow that? Because he had to get them back to a place where they would humble themselves and repent and come back to God. You ever put your kids in timeout? Well, let me just go ahead and say this. When I was a kid, they had not yet invented timeout. Okay, so there were other means of help. But God can, God can use it. And he also can overcome it. And he can prevent it. And he can block it. Well, why? Why? How? This, this, this. I don't know all of those things. I know he gets the last word. And my hope is endless. And we've got to keep our eyes on that. It, when we have trust in God, we'll still have some unanswered questions. That's why it's called trust. But you need to know that God is good. God is good. Now, evil, where does it come from? Well, evil entered because of original sin and evil is propagated because of ongoing sin. And this, you have to understand this too. People make bad choices. People do evil. I believe there's a hierarchy of evil. Ephesians talks about it and they influence people for evil and you know, move people toward evil and help, help to arrange things like that. But people make decisions and people do some bad and some evil things. And I, and I don't like it that God would get, God would get blamed for that. Man has a choice. Man is a free moral agent. If we've got to understand that concerning providence or we just think that God is just letting everything go, go crazy. God left man with a free moral agency. You have a free will to decide things. Now, here's where we're going. God decided to populate his world with free beings instead of robots. Now, and in the end, God gets more glory. God is is exalted more if people out of free will, everybody say free will, free will, Obey God and worship God as opposed to robotic. What if he just made us, you know, we don't have any will. He just decided everything and he just made us to be robotic. That does not glorify God. Or what if we were under coercion? You worship me or I'll roll your little head off. Uh, In North Korea, not a godly government. 
And you got Kim Young Un some who? Un. Kim Jong Un Un. I'd be mad too. But um, <laughs> recently uh, was reelected. Got a hundred percent of the vote. And 99.9, I just looked this up, 99.97% turned out for the election. Let me tell you about his campaign. He assassinated over 200 people within a few days, including his uncle, including his ex-fiance, and just anybody else that he decided, you know, looked at him a little crooked. That was his campaign. Vote for me. So what would you do? I'm voting for that guy. Vote for that guy. Okay, because of what? Because of coercion, because of fear. God is not going to, God does not get any glory. And and can I tell you something? This whole thing is about God getting glory. God does not get glory if we, if we are under coercion or just robotic about this, God is glorified now and forever more if it's people out of our free will I obey God and out of free will that I worship and serve God. Are you following that? In view of eternity, now I'm trying to get somewhere here. In view of eternity, the world's evil, all of the junk of the devil and evil in the world do not have the final say-so. It is not the final chapter. The big ball game is not over. Can I tell you that? The big ball game is not over. The final score is not in. And we need to understand that. Time will be swallowed up by eternity. And, and uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 talks about what you see now. Problems that you see now, they're temporary. The message Bible says they're small potatoes. Compared to the greater glory that's going to be revealed and that which is coming. And can I tell you something? And, and I have questions. Anybody have questions? Yes. Okay. I have, I have questions uh, about why did they die? And yet that person. You know, why didn't this happen the way I prayed? Why, why did that happen to them? We have those questions. Here's what we must choose, though. Gotta trust you. You're not evil. You're not evil. I trust you. And one day we'll know. One day we'll be able to see. How many of you know that now we see through a glass darkly? We can't understand some things. And and we've got to understand this too, and this is a whole other thing we'll get into later. We're in something that's called inaugurated eschatology, which means the, the fullness of what, what will come has been inaugurated, but it's not fully here. How many of you, we're not, we're not in heaven yet, where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more. We're not that, but how many of you know it's set up for that? Jesus has paid the price. The kingdom is continuing to break in, but we don't have the fullness of all that yet. We're still on planet Earth. Have I lost y'all? We, we here? Okay. Now, here's where any and all world events in our lives are just opportunities to trust God. We're just going to trust him. 
Now, let's look at providence here, and this is where I'm really wanting to get tonight. Providence. Everybody say providence. Okay, this is going to help you right here. The root word of providence. Provide. Everybody say provide. Okay. Provide means, it's two words here. And the first word is pro. And pro means before. Before. Vide actually means to see. It's like it's related to our word video, vision. It's so provide means to before to see. To see before. To foresee. To foresee. Now, in our vernacular today... If somebody is going to provide something, it means they're going to do something about something. They're going to to bring something. Uh, The scripture talks about if you don't provide for your own, you're worse than an infidel. So that doesn't mean that you just saw something to see before, but that you did something about what you saw. That you had foresight. A related Greek word has to do with forethought. And so if you're seeing and thinking, then it ends up that you end up doing something. Have, have you ever said this or had this said to you? Uh, hey, I need this. And somebody say, I'll see that you get that. I'll see that you get that. It all has to do with God providing. So providence really has to do with God providing. God can foresee. Everybody say that. Foresee. God, now this is, you've got to get this because this will help to put it all together for you. God, being God, is able to declare the end from the beginning. God is not evil. There is no darkness in him. There's no unrighteousness in him. He is God. There is evil in the world. God, being God, is able to foresee. He's able to foreknow. That does not mean that he did those things. He... But he's able to see, he's able, because he's God, he's able to know what's going to happen. And because he can foresee, he can provide. And I'll show you some examples in scripture in just a moment. And what it has to do with is God caring for us and God providing for us. And I want to say this, providence is grounds for gratitude. Can I just, can I just say it to you this way? God will take care of you. I'll say it again. God will take care of you. Well, but what if this comes on the earth and this and this and that? You've got a God who can foresee and a God who foreknows. And the very nature of it all, if he sees it and knows it, he will do something about it. Now, providence then is grounds for gratitude. Genesis chapter 22. And let me just set it up real quick. I don't have time to go through all my examples on this. Uh, the Lord spoke to Abraham and he said, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to go sacrifice him. And so on the way up the mountain, he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And in Genesis 22, verse eight, and Abram, Abraham said, my son, God will, God will what? Provide. There's providence about to happen here will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two men went, the two of them went together. So they go on up and he's going to offer his son. 
He's, he knows God. I know you're going to provide. He had trust in God. He knew God would have the last word. The book of Hebrews said that Abraham knew that even if it meant God would raise him up from the dead, he would do it because of the promises God had already given him. So, okay, so if I, if I got to do this, I'll do this because I know that God will even raise you up from the dead because of what he's already promised. Okay, you scared me. Okay. Where am I? Okay. Okay. So God saw, now let's go ahead and read this next verse here. Genesis 22, verse 13, 14. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up for the burnt offering. What did he say? God will provide what is needed for this. Offered it up in a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will, what? The Lord will provide. It's also translated Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be, what? Provided. Here's what God does. And you just obey God. That's what you do. You just obey God. You just trust God. And God will take care of it. And here's what had to happen because God foresaw. He could see ahead. He could think ahead. He could plan ahead. And he had a ram. I don't know when, if he had the ram climb up there a couple days before. He planted a thicket to be right there. He had horns. I mean, everything came together here. The timing of it all. I don't know how he did it all. He's God. God foresees God's able to do it. And God said, come on, little ram. Come on, get going. Get, get, you got to get and, and get him stuck in the thicket. And at the right time, I don't know if he had ants bite him, a bee sting him or whatever. All of a sudden he, he started wrestling around a little bit. And it, but there, there he is. And I'm going to tell you, God does that kind of stuff for you. You need to be paying attention because I'm telling you, God will just show up because he can see he'll get ahead of you. He'll be waiting on you. He'll, he will provide. He will provide. You've got to know this word. He will provide. He sees. He doesn't just see. It's because he sees. He can, as we understand the word, provide. Would you provide this for me? That means something's going to happen. Something's going to come. But the, the beginnings of this is God sees that. He sees what is needed and he makes the provision. Uh, Joseph. Do you remember Joseph? Okay, evil happened for Joseph. Pay attention to this real quick. Evil happened for Joseph. His brothers were jealous of him. They throw him in a pit. They end up selling him. Tell dad he's dead. So, first of all, how many of you know that would ruin your morning? Okay. He sold off. He sold a couple times. And then he ends up uh, in the house. Uh, of, of this ruler and then because of that false accusations ends up in prison I mean he's probably not really thrilled with this whole journey but there was something in him that it, he he kept obeying God he just kept obeying God and then finally he ends up in the big seat he ends up in charge of everything because of God the way God had set him up and this is this is the thing when his brother showed up when his brother showed up because of famine, and he was the key to being able to survive the famine, when his brothers show up, they didn't know who he was. He's a big shot. They, they, 
probably forgotten about him. He's probably, you know, he's serving in some rock quarry somewhere. If he's even still alive, little punk. We never did like that guy. And now he's sitting on the throne. He can decide death or life for these guys and they're starving. And then finally he reveals himself to them. He reveals himself to them. And he said, listen, listen, do yourself no harm. Don't feel bad about this anymore. He said, God did this and kept me alive for your good to keep you alive. He said, now my dad, is he alive? And they said, yes. He said, I want to see him. And he said, I want him to come and bless my children. And then the end of Genesis, it says this, what you meant for evil, don't miss this. What you meant for evil, God meant, and that's a rich word there, he meant it for good. So listen, sometimes your path, you go, man, this is, this is a thrill a minute. Never would have voted for this. What's this junk? Why do I even try? This is getting worse. Let me tell you what you do. This song is not over yet. The ball game is not over. The final score is not in. You just keep trusting God. My hope is endless. I will trust God. He is my provider. And in the providence of God, God who is almighty, God who foresees that I belong to him, he's way ahead of me. See, we're, we're so temporal. We're just like in the moment. My life stinks. Do you really want to say that about your life? Listen, I trust God is a better answer than this stinks. I trust God. Well, what are you going to do about this? Look what happened. Sorry to hear that. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. And you trust God and God will, God can turn what was meant for evil. God can mean it for good. Jonah. God had a work to do for Jonah. And, and the scripture says that God provided, everybody say Provided. He provided a whale, and later he provided a worm to, eat a, to ruin a plant that he was sitting under pouting so that thing would die and fall over. So he'd get scorched by the heat so God could get his attention again. Okay? Why? So a whole city could be saved. You know? And so we've, we've got to understand that God is ahead of us on this. My wife says, says this. God saw this day. She tells people that all the time. I hear her on the phone ministering to people, sitting down with people. She says, God saw this day. You know, and we walk, we walk with some people through some pretty tough stuff. We've been through some pretty tough stuff. And we've, lo- we've learned this. God gets the final word. In this moment, I'm not going to let this be the final word. I'm not going to let this be the final chapter. It's not going to end this way. And she bases it out of Psalm 139. God saw this day. Everybody say, God saw this day. So, so whatever you're dealing with right now, let me tell you something. God saw that day. God saw this day. And God will be with you and God provides and God will, God will get ahead of you. And you just hang in there because God will foresee and he will provide. That's why I tell you all the time, you're never alone. You're never without help. You know, and I'm expecting all the time. I'm expecting my... I I could go into all kinds of stories how God was just ahead of you. God was just ahead of you. And all of you have stories. All of you have things where, you know, you met a person or 
whatever. I mean, there's a million things. I'm trying to edit for time here. And you realize later, oh, wow, God, you connected that way back there. You saw this coming, and, and he's, he's waiting on you there. Amen. Um, if we look at life in God, it's, it's a straight line. But if you're able to look at it up close, I mean, the end of it, we're going to say, God got me through it all. But when we get up close and we look at life, it's like, wow, it's going really, whoa. You can almost get motion sick, you know, following what's going on in our lives sometimes. And this is the thing you've got to know. God will get you there. Let me tell you what the enemy is after is just to destroy your hope, to get you to stop trusting God, get all kinds of little lopsided theology to you that God's evil or God doesn't care or this or that, or he's so far away or, or, um, you know, he's using evil to just break you, break you, break you. Listen, God is not evil. God does not cause evil. There's no darkness in God at all. Sometimes he'll allow a little something, but go back and look at Job. He said, but you got boundaries, dude. You can do this up to this point, but you will not, you will not go that, you will not go past that mark. And, you know, you've got to just trust God. Everybody say, I trust God. And that's what you're going to have to sit down and do with whatever's going on in your life right now. And and I wish I could tell you, get through this, and then you'll never have another problem in your life. But I'd be a big, fat liar if I did that, okay? You're going to continue to have stuff. Your your path's sometimes like that. But you know know what? I'll, I'll get through this. Have you ever ridden a ride, you know, like a simulator ride or something, you know, at an amusement park or whatever, and you're like, oh, we're going to die. You're not going to (laughs) die. You know, in less than three minutes, you're going to walk off there. You might be a little dizzy, but you're going to walk off there, and you're going to be okay, and then you can go eat lunch and ride another ride. You know, and I wish we could just back up sometimes because sometimes we're just right here. You know, this is bad, and it's just getting worse. You know, just back up, just back up a little bit. I trust God. I trust God. My hope is endless and God will get me all the way through this. Amen. There's a lot more on this, but in essence, that's divine providence that God sees, God knows, God's able, and God will take care of you. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight?